Hello and welcome to the Talking Hawks Six Points, where we are going to recap the game on the weekend against the Fremantle Dockers. For those of you who haven't had a chance yet to watch the game, Liam and myself are going to go through and talk about the six main takeaways or six main points from the game to save you from going back and watching a game that never really reached any real highlights and unfortunately saw Hawthorne get the last loss for the season. On this episode, you're going to be joined by myself, Tim, and by Liam, who is our AFLW guru here at Talking Hawks, and it's a big week coming up for you, Liam. A uh, big week for us, Timmy. We are both very passionate AFLW fans, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners are. And at the time of recording, there's five days to go. Countdown is certainly on. So here we're going to be talking about the six points from the Fremantle game now. In terms of the game, it was Fremantle 14 goals, 9.93. Defeating Hawthorne, 8 goals, 8.56. In front of a crowd of just under 28,000 on Saturday at the MCG. In terms of our main disposal getters, we had Will Day with 30. We had Dylan Moore, 27. James Sicily and Blake Hardwick, 25 apiece. In terms of our goal scorers, Luke Punky Bruce kicked two and all the others were singular goal kickers. Now, Liam, before we go through our six points, I think it's fitting that we mention three Hawthorne players have been named in the 40-man All-Australian squad with our skipper, James Sicily, our vice-captain in Luke Bruce, and I guess the unofficial leader of our midfield, John Newcomb. Yeah, three in the 44 for a team that finished 16th and was supposedly tanking. Not bad, hey? Not bad at all. Now, in terms of uh, John Newcomb, who we just spoke about being our unofficial leader of that midfield, he is one of the players that Talking Hawk sponsors alongside Denver Granger Barras and also Jasmine Fleming, who's about to rip it up in the AFLW season that's about to commence. So if you'd like to get on board with the Talking Hawks player sponsorship, you can jump on to TalkingHawks.com where you'll see the link that you can follow or you can have a look in our podcast note, podcast note sorry, and you can get behind supporting us in helping to support the Hawthorne Football Club. Yeah, three Ripper players, five days to go. Jazz wears number five in the W. It's all happening. Jai's in the All-Australian squad. Denver's shown progression. All happening with these players. Get on board. Absolutely. All right, Liam, we're going to give you point number one. Start us off. Point number one is pretty simple. I don't think I'll spend too long on this one, to be honest. Pick fit players. Um, Brandon Ryan, as we all know, has been extremely sick in the two and a half weeks leading up to the game. He hardly trained in the lead up to the game. He'd barely been out of bed for about a week, apparently, it's during that time. Uh, his stat line for the game, one handball. That's it. That's the stat line. Um, he was anonymous, and I'm sure he would be saying we may as well have had 17 players out there. However, I'm not here to criticize Sticks. He should never have been picked. He clearly was not fit to play. It was clear from our sub-selection of Lloyd Meek. You know, rule number one is with subs, as much as I love seeing Rucks playing, don't pick a Ruck as your sub. It was clear we didn't think Brandon Ryan could get through the game. What if we had an injury early? Like, you just don't pick players who aren't fit to play. You know, the reality is, but if I put someone up to a job who I don't think is up to it, and then they prove themselves not to be up to it, is it their fault for not being up to it? Or is it my fault for putting them there knowing they wouldn't be up to it? It's unfair on him. It's unfair on his teammates. And to put it simply, you just have to pick players who you think can get through a full game. We clearly went into that game knowing Brandon Ryan couldn't get through it. And it was unfair on him and the entire team. Yeah, it's a really interesting point you make there. Obviously, Sticks was coming back from his influenza A that he had. And as you said, he was 
knocked around quite badly. Lost four kilos from what would be about a 35-kilo uh, frame, ringing wet. So, obviously, the, the loss of four kilos certainly didn't help him. And I think the loss of DGB with a, a little calf niggle was probably what caused Sticks to get a game. I mean, if DGB was fit, Sticks probably ends up being... Uh, at Waverley on Saturday morning with the rest of the, the Box Hill group or the players that were eligible uh, for the Box Hill finals doing a, a training session there. And I think the issue we had was, I guess, these tools or the lack of tools uh, through the injury to, to Mitch Lewis and then obviously DJB as well. And as you said, Meek being picked the sub, the minute that uh, it came to fruition, you went, if something happens early, we are in a bit of strife. Because six, there was no way knowing that he was going to get through a full game. Uh, being down there at training and, and watching him, you could see that he doesn't have the, the world's greatest tank, uh, obviously not having done an AFL preseason. And he's trying to make up for that as he uh, as he goes through. And then obviously the minute you throw influenza in, which affects your lungs and your aerobic capacity, uh, he was going to be in a bit of strife. So I think it's, it's as you said, it was probably more so him being put in that position uh, rather than him, be, him being at fault. Yeah, I wasn't having a go at him for one second again, you know. If he, if someone's put in a position that they people who know they're not up to, it's not their fault. It's the person who put them there knowing they're not up to it. Yeah, it's a very interesting point. Point number two, Lee, my first point, I want to talk about one of our vice captains in Dylan Moore. Now, depending on which side of the fence you sit on this year, you either think he's been played out of position and asked to do a lot in an underperforming forward line getting up and, and helping the midfield and, and getting back and helping defenders, or you think that his season has been ordinary. I think they're the two ways the Hawthorne supporters have seen Dylan Moore's game so far this season. I'm on the the one of him being played out of position. Always the, uh, I guess, the optimistic or positive side, Liam. But on the weekend, I don't think anyone could fault what Dylan Moore was able to put out in the park. 27 touches, he had nine marks, six tackles, 400 metres gained. Seven score involvements, which was the highest from any Hawthorne player on the weekend. One goal and 23 pressure acts. You cannot fault the effort that, that Maury put in. And I think throughout the season, if you go back and watch, while he might not have been getting his regular 20-odd touches and a goal each game, I think the, the effort he was putting in off the ball and his work rate has certainly increased. And I think looking at his standing as vice-captain of the side, and then watching his effort on the weekend, he's one of the few players that stood up when we when we needed him to. Yeah, Dylan Dylan Moore's effort and work rate, I don't think any rational fan will ever question. Um, taking nine marks at about four foot six is pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, he was one of our best on the day. I really I've been a fan of Dylan Moore since we drafted him. Like I've Daz will have a go at me, but I was I was on the Dylan Moore train as well, right from the get-go. Ask my family, they will more than tell you. Um, yeah, superb. I don't have much to add beyond what you've said. He works his backside off. And the thing is, he plays nearly 90% game time playing like that as well. Like, how he does that, I don't know. Yeah, his aerobic capacity is absolutely freakish. And in terms of those pressure acts, he had the second most pressure acts on the day for Hawthorne, uh, with only James Warple with 29 bettering him. Yeah. Point number three, Liam, and your second point. Yeah, it's another point that's not a, not as positive. My last one is a celebration of a player. But um, this one, I'm just starting to wonder where players' minds are a little bit on the plane to Europe. Um, I don't like criticising effort. It's 
one thing I'm extremely hesitant to do. I think the priority was, rightly to be honest, not sustaining any long-term injuries. However, that Dutch also showed. You know, we laid just 1.25 tackles per minute of opposition possession, which ranked 17th in the competition for the week. At times, it felt like the young boys were starting to show they're ready for the break. And you know, a lot of them were probably thinking about the flights they might have been on today. Or those who were sticking around to watch the AFLW were starting to think about what the best places to go watch at Frankston were. A uh, little tip, by the way, it's on the outer side on the wing. Um, but, you know, the stats don't look bad when you compare them to Frio's, but both teams had, let's just call it what it was, nothing to play for, and you could tell at times. Um, but, you know, especially the Hawks, I think they decided it's time for a holiday. And they've earned it. It's been one of the longest seasons ever. They're extremely young. Some of them haven't done full pre-seasons at all. Hello, Brandon Ryan. Um, but yes, I think you could tell that times the minds may not have hundred percent been on the game. Not saying it was conscious, but that slight, slight drop off in energy, I think just showed a bit on the day. Like again, the tackling intensity wasn't great and it was well below what we've seen all season. Uh, we covered more K's in the Dockers, but had notably fewer sprints. You know, it just, it just felt like we weren't quite 100% on playing the way we had the last month. Yeah, it's a fascinating part because speaking to Connor uh, McDonald for the Talking Hooks podcast later on in the week before the game, and he was talking about the players were looking at it as a sense of to finish the season off on a high, to get a win. And this is the game that you replay in your mind for three months between the last game and obviously when preseason kicks in. And then being at the game and watching it, and you, you're right in terms of, I guess, the, the fuel notable sprints and, and that lack of energy because Fremantle who have played on the MCG a handful of times in the past two seasons had that width, had that spread, had that run. We didn't look daring in terms of our game plan. We just, we looked like we were zapped of energy and, and I think that can be absolutely explained based on the last month of football that the team has played. You know, they were getting up for pretty much a grand final every week against these sides knocking uh, on the, you know, on a, a chance of, of being in the finals and possibly even being premiership contenders. And on the weekend, I think while, yes, they wanted to go out with a win, it would have been lovely. I think it was just one too many games, as you said, and they just couldn't quite get the uh, the effort up for it. And, you know, when you see Connor Nash, who's always one of our big energy givers on the uh, on the ground, struggling to lift his legs in the fourth quarter, you know they're done. Yeah, 100%. Point number four, Liam, and my second point, and I want to talk about Croc, Connor McDonald. So in terms of his game on the weekend, 20 disposals, five score involvements, which was the second most score involvements for the team behind Dylan Moore, who had seven. Four tackles, three inside 50s, 19 pressure acts, seven marks, 379 metres gained. Second year player, Liam, playing his 41st game, and you're getting these type of numbers from a player who's been put into a half-forward role, which is one of the hardest spots on the ground to play, and he's a midfielder. Yeah. And I just look at those numbers and think, wow, what's he going to be able to do with another preseason under his belt next year? Because his work rate is phenomenal. Yeah. He's getting back into that defensive 50 and leading up and offering a target for our defenders when the ball's coming out of uh, of defense. You watch him pushing to the wings. You watch him, watch him pushing forward. And I was just amazed. His voice at the ground was one of the few Hawthorne voices you could hear. You could hear him when he was leading. You could hear him calling. You could hear him directing. 
And this is a player, Liam, who's 20 and played 41 games. And I think there's a reason he is the leader of the first to third year playing group because this guy screams leadership. Yeah. I mean, he's a super player. I actually think he's become too good at that half forward role to force his way into the midfield. Um, I actually think now we've kind of said, you're actually too good at half forward. We're actually just going to keep you there. And that's fine by me. We've got enough. We've got a lot of good midfielders coming through at Box Hill and in the team now. Um, perfectly fine with Connor McDonald just locking down the half forward role for 15 years. Um, terrific again on the day. He's all class as a footballer. Smooth mover. Just, I, I love watching Connor McDonald play. He just, he, he, he defies his age of 20 when you watch him play. Like you'd think he'd played 100 games, not 41. Absolutely. And it's interesting what you just said then in terms of, you know, he might end up playing that half forward role for the next 15 years for Hawthorne because watching him playing it and then listening to him when he spoke on the, uh, on the podcast last week, he was speaking about he thinks that next season he's going to spend more time on that half forward flank and on a wing. He doesn't see himself breaking into that midfield because, as you said, we have a plethora of talent in the midfield. So it's an interesting, interesting thing to look at in terms of Connor McDonald. But I think Croc has done an amazing job. And you go back uh, 12 months, Liam, he couldn't get a, a Rising Star nomination. And you look at him and think, yeah, he probably should have. Yeah, well, that's the nature of the beast. <laughs> Point number five, Liam. And this is your third and final point. My last point on six points for season 2023 in the men's comp is Blake Hardwick, a player who missed the All-Australian squad, but has a case if they actually pick the team as if it's going to play a match, which is supposedly what they do, um, to not just make the squad, but make the team as a small defender. Because he defends, funnily enough, which is, believe it or not, in the job description of defending. Um he is perhaps the most underappreciated. In fact, not perhaps. He is the most underappreciated hawk outside of our own fan base. And even I think parts of our fan base don't appreciate how good he is. For the first two and a half quarters, went down back, steady as ever, taking kickouts, clearing territory, using the ball superbly. Then went forward and despite being 5'11", had a presence. Uh, I don't personally like him forward. I think we have enough, enough options down there, especially when we have fit players. Um, he's just too good as a defender as well. Like sometimes you can't take someone out. You know, it's the same reason I don't like Sisley Ford. He's too good as a defender. You can't give up that in defence. Now, Smithy, in our map, in his player review, called him Mr. Consistent and Mr. Reliable, rolled into one, 100%. You know, if you're doing player ratings, before the game even starts, you can just put a 7 out of 10 next to Blake Hardwick and you're not usually going to be wrong. Uh, you know, on the day, because this is the free air six points after all, 25 disposals, 336 metres gained. 84% disposal efficiency, 10 marks, five score involvements, three rebounds, an inside 50 and a clearance. Fair play, Dimmer. Top handful of players every single week. Excellent again on Saturday. And I just thought I'd give him a little bit of extra credit in my last point, in our last six points for the AFL men's season. Yeah, I think that's two weeks in a row that Dimmer's got to mention, which is uh, fantastic because he thoroughly deserves it. And, out of those 25 disposals, he got five in the last quarter playing as a forward. And you just go, right, imagine if he played a full game as a forward, Liam, and we got five touches a quarter. You go, 20, 20 disposals. He led. He's marking for a player of his height. He's ridiculous. Even when he went into the forward line, he, he was doing a tremendous job. That booming right foot kick of his. And uh, he's almost got, I, I want to call it the right foot suckling. 
Because there was moments on the weekend where he threw his leg out like Matt Suckling, round the corner style, and would hit a 45-minute bullet, like a tracer bullet, onto a player's chest through congestion. And you just went, wow, like that is amazing to watch. And we always love when Suckers did it uh, back in his playing day for Hawthorne and seeing Dimmer do it on the weekend. It was great to see. And as you said, I think he's been robbed once again uh, in terms of not being named in the All-Australian squad. I'm not saying the team, but the squad. And yeah, I think for uh, every Hawthorne supporter, absolutely loves the way that Dimmer goes about it. Uh, maybe I might have mentioned him twice in a row because we played at the same junior football club, but um, that's another topic for another day. <laughs> oh, I think I picked him last time. There you go. You can't steal my credit, Liam. He was mine. <laughs> point number six, Liam, and this is the uh, the third and final point for our six points for this season. And uh, the player I picked is Jack Scrimshaw. Now, Scrimshaw this season has been a huge point of contention for Hawthorne supporters. Is he in the best 22? Is he not in the best 22? Does he have attitude issues? Does he have problems with his training? Why is he not in the side? And on the weekend, we bring Jaisa Rong in and we say, Scrimshaw, just like you did for the uh, the second half of the Melbourne game, you've got to go forward. And people are up in arms. Why are you putting him forward? He's such a great defender. Jack Scrimshaw was a forward as a junior. Now that's something that obviously good players even if they're moved into different positions, they can rely upon what they had in terms of their skill set. And we know that Jack Scrimshaw's skill set, he's great. So he plays in a forward line where he's playing as basically our second key tall behind Cozzy because Sticks Ryan, as we said in point number one, got one handball and, and couldn't quite get near it. So he's playing as the uh, the second tall at 194 centimetres, I believe he is. And he gets 13 disposals, six marks, three tackles. And we know tackling isn't one of Scrimmer's big assets that uh, he has for his game. He kicks one goal, one, five score involvements, a goal assist, and has 19 pressure acts in the forward half. That's a huge outing for a bloke who has played as a makeshift second tall. And the reason I, I loved it, Liam, is because could he be an option as a second forward for next season? Hawthorne supporters were saying, we want to get Jake Riccardi. Jake Riccardi's re-signed at GWS. I've heard Hawthorne supporters talking about getting Miss Georgiades from Port Adelaide, who's coming off a knee reconstruction and will miss possibly the first half of the season. If we're keen on seeing Jai Sarong in the side, like we did on the weekend, and Sarong plays, is there a possibility that we see Jack Scrimshaw playing as a forward where he played his junior footy? He's able to take marks. He's got a great kick. His score involvements were there. His pressure acts and defensive work has increased. Could we see it? If I'm honest, I don't really, I don't think so. I don't really want to see it. I think he, especially being that left footer coming out of defense, I think he's too important. You know, he and James Sisley, I've mentioned it a few times. They like to cross over and open up the whole field between the two of them. Um, Sarong was very good on the weekend. Five spoils leading all Hawks and terrific one-on-one defensively as well. I still think, I still have a feeling his future might be as that third tall forward and, you know, playing defense, which is a bit of a circuit breaker given what he had in the off-season, but we'll see We'll see what happens in the off-season, I suppose, with that. I'd certainly be keeping Sarong around, but, um, yeah, I thought Scrimshaw, given that he was playing in a position where, in a, you know, we probably don't want him playing for the most part. He was kind of there by necessity because we had a lot of backs available, not many forwards available. It's like, mm, 
not ideal, but you can. So, yeah, I didn't mind. I don't mind it as a break glass or a fallback, but I, I personally think he's too important defensively. But that being said, he was more than serviceable on the weekend in a forward line where service was suboptimal. You think about Freo's defense. Freo are great at that intercept marking. Scrimmers had six. So he's certainly able to, to take those marks going forward. And, you know, as you said, Jai Sarong looked fantastic. And if he's going to be kept around, which is what we believe, that he's close to re-signing uh, and extending his contract at, at Hawthorne, where do you play him? So maybe, just maybe, we might see Scrimshaw forward. I just thought his effort on the weekend, Liam, and we've been looking for a, a second tall that can stand up and take marks. He seemed to do it for us, which was uh, a thing, a nice thing to see, especially, as you said, for a forward line that looked quite inept at times on Saturday. Yeah. So, Liam, that now brings us to the end of our six points. Now, before you head off, if you haven't already liked and followed Talking Hawks on your favourite social media platform, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, please make sure to go on and do so. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, please jump on and subscribe to Talking Hawks on there, where later on this week we will have our live stream, which will recap the game against Fremantle and look towards the AFLW start, which happens this Saturday when Hawthorne takes on Essendon down at Kinetic Stadium in Frankston. And we'll also look at the Box Hill game against the Werribee Tigers, which will take place on Saturday, which is the first round of the final series in terms of the VFL season. Liam, it's been an absolute pleasure jumping onto the six points with you and dissecting the game against Fremantle. And until next time, go the Hawks.